to the Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show featuring two friends who've been in the same book club for almost 20 years. I'm Carrie, and even though we've been doing this show for a while, I often think to myself, holy moly, we could not be more different. I'm a commercially cat lover, borderline antisocial, and scared to death when Amy says she has an idea, because that usually spells trouble and work. I'm Amy. I want to be your new best friend, especially if you're a book lover, maybe even if you aren't. I'm also a dog collector, a Diet Coke addict. I love looking for fungus on hikes in the woods, and I treat a good yard sale like it's a national treasure. You're really selling this, you know. Despite despite these differences, we both love wine, cheese, and talking to each other, and sometimes a special guest about books. Each week, we chat about what we're reading, as well as other bookish things like books in the news, recent book-to-film adaptations, weird stuff we've Googled while reading, and our TBR count. We're glad you're here. So we always enjoy chatting with people we find on Instagram who are doing bookish things, and Christine Eckert is one of those folks. She's the creator of the Gilmore Book Club, which offers all kinds of book blogs, discussions, videos, and lists associated with the show Gilmore Girls. She also hosts a book club for people with chronic health conditions, and we are including the link to it in our show notes. And she's also working on creating book-related content for other beloved shows, such as Gossip Girl and The Office. But before we talk to Christine, we want to mention a couple things. We want to remind you that tomorrow, Thursday, September 14th, 2023, is Give for Good Louisville. And we'd like to encourage you to support some of the awesome nonprofits in our area, including Forward Radio, which broadcasts our show. We appreciate their support these past almost four and a half years, which is bananas. There's also some bookish nonprofits we want to offer a Give for Good shout out to, including Louisville Book Festival. American Printing House for the Blind, and Louisville Story Program, all of whom have been guests on our show. But first, we did a little bookish thing this weekend. Saturday night uh, was the Foxing Books Battle of the Book Clubs, where they host a trivia night based on one specific book that is picked by a guest host. And There's a team of up to six people. The top two teams get to pick a book from the stock that's on the Foxing Books book bus. And so this is our second time participating. The first time for you, second time for me. And we We lost. Get a book. (laughs) We did not get to choose a book. We lost, but. It was fun. We still had fun. So it's fine. You're maybe a little more competitive than me. I would have liked to have been in the top four, which we weren't even in the top four, but that's okay. You know, I could say, well, we might have been if a certain somebody had finished the book. Okay. In in full (laughs) disclosure... I was not able to finish the book. I usually leave it till close to time so that that those details are more vivid in my mind. But I had something pop up. I had a sort of a family situation that popped up. I needed to go out of town and I was not able to finish the book. I had I was about 60% of the way through. So my my thought was I'll really know all the stuff in the beginning, right? <laughs> you did get one of the questions that I was like, I don't know. And and you got that one. So you did contribute for sure. We we did not win, but had a fabulous time anyway, or at least yeah, I did. It was, it was a good time. And we went and got ice cream afterwards. So that made it even better. Well, the book that um, the trivia was based on was Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. And this is my first book that I have read by him. He's a crime uh, novelist. He has three novels out. And... I don't know if it was what I was expecting. I've enjoyed it. I still have a little bit left to go, but it is totally a a dude book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, but I really, I liked it. Like it's a, it's a heist story and it's one of those books where the protagonist, he's not a villain, but well, like a lot of people, he sort of does things in, out of desperation, right? Even though he's doing things that, that aren't totally legal. Or, or aren't, you know, at all legal, you kind of want him to be able to... You're rooting for him. Get, you're rooting for him, you know? He's a little morally gray, right? He's a little yeah, morally yeah, yeah. gray. 
But I feel like he never is trying to hurt innocent people. Right. He, he mainly targets bad people, right? Yeah. So you're rooting for him. He's a family man, but there's a lot of cars, you know, so he's a mechanic and he likes to soup up cars. So there's a lot of cars. It reads like a action thriller movie. Mm-hmm. Like as you're reading it, like you can just imagine it, you know, as a movie. In fact, I'd be surprised if one of his books isn't already like in the process of being adapted. I don't know. There's definitely some violence in it. And so uh, I want to thank the host, the host of this, the guest host who chose the book. She's a prominent uh, bookstagrammer. Her name is Don Shea, and her bookstagram tag is Intro to Eclecticism. She's got over 35,000 followers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to thank her for this choice because it is a book I had been wanting to read and I just hadn't done it yet. So this was the nudge I needed. And thank you to Foxing Books for uh, hosting us. And they are not having another one till January because they're getting ready to open a brick and mortar bookstore this fall. And I think all of their energy uh, is going into that. But I'll be ready for January. It's, it's fun, fun, but it's also a little infuriating because trivia questions are, it's just like this minutia that I'm never going to remember. So, so it's fun, but it's also like, well, mm. I was thinking about how maybe I could change my reading. Like I don't really annotate because to me that takes some of the fun out of the book, unless it's just like a quote that I really like or something. But what I thought I could do maybe do for the next book is as I'm going through If I think that that is a detail that is prime to be like a trivia question, put a little, a little marker next to that. Mm -hmm. And before I go, I would just go through and like, look at all of my little tags to to refresh my memory. Good idea. Good idea. It would be nice to win sometime. Yeah. Or even to finish, you know, in in third place didn't didn't you all finish in third I think place we might have finished i think we might have finished in third place last time. okay we had a smaller crew than we normally do we need more brain power yes yeah we need more brains for sure you know? because my brain is a sieve literally this is the first time i've ever done a trivia thing and so i didn't have any expectations so the first round i was like these are so easy we're gonna knock it out of the park and then we get to the second round and i was like sweet baby jesus i don't know any of these (laughs) so well anyway now i know i i know i i am now no longer a uh trivia virgin so i kind of feel like i know a little better what to expect so our guest today christine uh we're going to talk to her about the gilmore girls and i was thinking about this carrie i thought how did i miss this show when it was out because it sounds like the type of show that I would like. And you were having babies. That's exactly right. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about it. If it was from 2000 to 2007 or, you know, around there. During that show, I had three kids under the age of five. Yeah. So yeah. I think I was just too busy to be watching that yeah. show. I've watched a few episodes. And after talking to Christine, I would like to watch more of this series because it sounds super fun. So Definitely. Let's, let's talk to Christine. We are very excited to have Christine Eckert with us. She has a Gilmore Girl book club, but it's like a whole bookstagram experience. And I have only watched a little bit of Gilmore Girls. So we're excited to talk with you, Christine, and find out all about how Gilmore Girls, the show, connects with books. So thanks for being with us. Of course. I'm so excited to talk books and Gilmore and everything else with you guys. (laughs) I have been following you on Bookstagram for a little while, and I have several friends who are Gilmore Girl fanatics. In fact, one is a uh, book club that kind of tweaked their name, but it's, it's in honor of the Gilmore Girls, and they've been together for like 20 years, I think. So the Gilmore Girls, it started in 2000 and went for seven seasons. So tell us a little bit about why you wanted to start this book club website. Yes. Bookstagram experience. Yeah, definitely a huge, huge fan and loved it since it originally came out, you know, back when like we all watched everything on cable (laughs) and just really fell in love with the show. The Rory Gilmore reading list is a list of 
every book that any character like mentions or holds or talks about a character from. And so it ends up being over 350 different titles. And that's all on a list for people to read on their own. And so I knew this was out there. And a few years ago, decided to do it for myself and kind of in a new way and started watching the show in a new way because of all of these books that I was reading. And that's when I started the blog and my Instagram to help people connect with these shows in a different way and connect with the books and really get something out of it. Like really find the life-changing aspects of this that, you know, we consume so much TV, so many books, so many movies, but how is it really affecting all of us and what can we learn from it? So that's really the core of what the Gilmore Book Club means for me and why I started it. So the Gilmore Girls, the show is about a single mother mm-hmm. with a with a teenage daughter yep. and they read a lot of books. They read a lot of books and they really take in culture is really what the creators of the show wanted it to be. And the daughter, whose name is Rory, she is originally Harvard bound that turns into Yale bound. So she's a really smart kid, reads a ton. And so that's where all of these references pop up. And they also watch a lot of movies previously, some of them were books. And so they just know all of these references because it's how they live. But all of the other characters are written in such an intelligent way that they all know these things too. Like they're all so well read and watch all of these movies and know all of these references. So it's coming from more than just the mother daughter that are the center of the show. It's coming from the grandparents and the friends. Like they're all making, you know, like Shakespeare illusions and stuff like that throughout the show. So there are all these little literary pop culture Easter eggs hidden through all seven seasons that is really after you understand the reference it's really cool to go back and watch and be like oh i get it now i understand why that was the perfect way to say this and it it takes place in a very cute quaint little town Mm -hmm. and of course they spend some time in a coffee shop and what is better with books than coffee in a coffee shop it's like the complete cozy experience Uh there yeah and that's why so we're talking about this at a perfect time fall is really gilmore season if you've seen a few episodes and want to jump in for the full thing now is the time it's all very cozy has these really um, new england fall vibes it is a small town where everybody knows everyone so it's it's really a comfort show not just for me but i know that all of the fans feel this way and that's why so many people rewatch it all the time. Like I'm in a constant rewatch pattern when it comes to Gilmore Girls because it just feels so good. And these people feel like my friends. So you're just getting such like a nice cozy atmosphere when you watch Gilmore Girls. When you first started watching it, did you automatically pick up on the because I mean, I love books, but I was thinking about other shows and I was like, do I even pay attention to the books they read or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So when you first started watching the show, did you pick up on that automatically or did that come later? I would have picked up on a few. I was in high school at the time that it was ending and we were actually reading a lot of the same books. I remember we read Grapes of Wrath in high school, The Scarlet Letter. So stuff like that, that I knew, but they also, you know, reference Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and some mainstream stuff that I already knew. I definitely could not have gotten all 350 references at that point. Like I picked up on a few, but doing it with this show and going back and being like, oh, I see where they mentioned this sort of got me in the habit of doing it in other shows. Mm. And that's when I started making the reading list for other TV shows because Gilmore Girls does this so well that I started noticing it everywhere else, like Grey's Anatomy and The Good Witch and White Lotus actually had a lot of references when I was watching that one. So it's out there more often than we think. You are tuned in because I watched White Lotus (laughs) and I'm thinking, I do not remember any books. I mainly remember sex. (laughs) 
I know. People this dying. Is, this is where my mind goes. You guys. <laughs> people could like be murdering people and whatever. And I'm like, what book are they reading? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And sometimes it's like a very veiled reference. So you would only know if you had really read that book. And sometimes people are just holding it in the background. And because it's not, you know, those two girls in the first season that would just like lay by the pool and read. They had a different book all the time, and they were classics. I haven't done the full list for that one yet, so I'm not saying specific titles. <laughs> but I remember looking at it like, I thought this was just going to be about, like, you know, sex and murder, and look at them reading books by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> so how many different other TV shows do you have on your website? I know you – I think you have The Office. Yes. You, you have Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. The Office and Gossip Girl, and I do these just – as I watch these TV shows or think about them. So the newest one is Steel Magnolias, which is a very Gilmore Girls type show. It's a small town in South Carolina. So it actually kind of has that feel, which is nice. And I'm also working on Anne with an E, which was a request from one of my viewers. But I'd also love to do, you know, Grace Anatomy, I have a huge list of ones to go through. I'm working on The Good Witch, uh, which is also a small town kind of Gilmore feel show. So I have a lot more planned. Cool. Yeah. Well, let me ask this because you mentioned classics. And so a lot of times, maybe it's because, I I mean, I know working with high schoolers, a, a lot of times if you mention classic books or Shakespeare or whatever, it's like, oh my gosh, it was so boring. I couldn't handle it. And so not everybody has good feelings about classics. <laughs> so what do you offer visitors to your website or to Instagram? What do you try to do to make some of these books a little less intimidating? Yeah. I, I want to start with, it's not just high schoolers who are intimidated. <laughs> it looks like if you're listening and thinking, oh God, I have to read War and Peace. I can't do it. Um, you're not alone. And I think that's the first part is just breaking down the intimidation factor of only certain people can read these books or you have to be you know, a certain education level, like a PhD. You don't need that to read these books. And so what I try to do on the blog is when I read books, I looked for what I connect with. And just by human nature, you're not going to connect with everything you read. But chances are there's one sentence or one paragraph. And if you can find that and connect with that, that is going to give you the essence of the book. And that's what's going to stick with you and change your life. You don't have to write a dissertation on why everybody has like 15 names in Anna Karenina and they're all the same person. <laughs> no one's really going to care. But if there's something that you really connect with and hold on to, and for me it was the husband who's like kind of a side character. Mm. His story is what I really connected with, which is what I felt surprised by in Anna Karenina. And so that's what I write about and hoping that when people read these really personal stories. Some of them are really vulnerable on my half. Um, in things that I've learned, I'm hoping it breaks down all of those walls that we sort of put up around classic literature, that we have to understand 100% of every sentence that's on every single page, or mm-hmm. we have to know all this background information and stuff like that. I don't think any of that is necessary for reading classics. So I recommend just go into it. You will connect with someone, something, because you're a human and you'll find it. And we look for those human connections in what we watch on TV or the books we read. You're going to find that naturally. And that's sort of how you build your relationship around these books. That being said, I do like to offer suggestions of other books maybe to read before or after that kind of give you more insight to the culture or how these things were written. There's a great book called The Anna Karenina Fix, Hmm. where an author lived in Russia, and she talks about her time there and explains all the names that I mentioned in Anna Karenina that are, everybody has 15 names. (laughs) She really breaks that down, and it's more understandable and relatable reading that 
And it's easier to go into reading some of these great Russian tomes with all that background information that somebody's explained to me in a language that maybe I understand more. That's a great, that's a great tip. I love that yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also like to approach things with a lot of grace. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to know everything. So give yourself the space, the time you need. Nobody's, unless you're doing this for school, then please, you know, I like a good deadline, finish your homework. (laughs) But, you know, if you're just reading this because you want to read Crime and Punishment, like give yourself the time you need. If you need to take a break, put it down and come back to it later. It took me, I think, over a year, maybe a year and a half to read Anna Karenina. It's just because I wasn't feeling some spots. Like I just needed a break from it. We had a guest, and I don't, maybe Carrie, you remember which guest it was, who said she breaks up large books into chunks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, say it's a 600 page book. Well, maybe she would read, she would break it up into 200 page chunks. Yeah. And it made it more digestible that way than saying, oh my gosh, I can't read 600 pages. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to read the first 200 pages. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea to break it down like and everybody's different so i really recommend kind of trial and error do what works for you if it's an audiobook do it that way some people are better understanding when they're listening to something and having it read to them rather than reading it on the page so if that's what works then great i think we kind of get stuck into these like ways you should be reading and not the ways that we read best and that's really what i want to help people find So what has been a book that's on the Rory Gilmore reading challenge that you were dreading, didn't think you'd like, and then you ended up really enjoying? Can you think of one? I don't know that I've hit that yet. There are books that I was nervous about reading just because they're not really my genre. I love a good Hallmark movie. I love Gilmore Girls. You know, I like some nice, nice, comfy things. Stephen King, like, just was not going to be my favorite. Mm. And I knew that going in. He's a good writer. And I can see that in the books that I read. But I immediately called my mom after reading Cujo and was like, I have to put this book in the freezer. I like, I can't even (laughs) double check all the locks on my front door. I just like (laughs) shake it for like a week. I recognize the talent and the craft in his writing. And so that is what I liked about it. So it pushed you out of your comfort zone. It did. And that's what I like about the list is because there are a lot of things I probably wouldn't have read or maybe I wanted to read. Isabella Allende has been on my TBR for probably years, but I never made myself read them until doing the Rory Gilmore list. So there are a lot of things that I'm like, yeah, one day I want to read that. But this list is kind of encouraging me to get to those faster and definitely expanding my bookshelf and getting me on beyond what I would normally read for better or for worse. So I want to know in terms of compiling your list and all this Mm -hmm. stuff, do you just sit down with a notepad and on your couch with a blanket and go Netflix? Like, is that kind of how you do it? Yeah. So for the Rory list, there have been versions since the original show was on air. So I used that and kind of edited it for some things that I saw that were missing or references that I thought were references but weren't on there. So that one, there were some existing pieces. And that's why you'll kind of see a lot of different versions online if you're looking there. For the other shows, yeah, I just like sit down (laughs) and start watching and of everything I notice or see somebody, I like try to zoom in and see what they're holding if I can. And normally it's easier to do with shows I've already seen because mm-hmm. that way I'm not paying attention to any of the drama or like what's going on because I already know what happens. But some of them, I also don't know what's coming. So I'm kind of like more attuned. But yeah, I sit down, I watch, I have a spreadsheet going so I can track all the things. Sometimes they mention things several times. So I like to track that as well. And just write it out. And I, I will make mistakes. There are things that maybe I won't spot. So if you download one, or especially if you purchase some of the trackers for me, you get any updates that I make. 
so that you'll always see the most current versions. And then for the Rory list, I cross-reference all of these new shows that I'm watching back to the Rory list because that's really the biggest literary show that I have encountered. There are more books on the Rory list than anything else. So for people doing that, they can see, oh, this book was also mentioned on Gossip Girl. And now I don't have to wonder, you know, if I'm reading all the books on both, that you can kind of do them all at the same time and it makes it a lot easier. Do you ever have people contact you almost like crowdsourcing? Like yeah. they find something and then you go back and double check it. Is Does that happen? Yeah. People have sent me screenshots and been like, what do you think this book is? I wish there was an <laughs> app for this. Um, I've been using the Google scan and it doesn't quite do it. It picks up like their outfits, which is kind of fun. Like, you know, you should like send it to the FBI. You yeah, know, you like, see on the movies where they like magnify this? it by a thousand times. <laughs> exactly what I need. Because there are some like I just can't figure out. Especially when you get into a widely published book that has 20 different book covers. Mm. I don't know exactly which one I'm looking at if the screenshot isn't that good or you know people will say like what is she reading here or what was that reference to where where was this even reference there are debates about that too so yeah I get a lot of questions about it. Do you also have like where you have virtual people connect on Facebook or Google Meet or whatever and and you kind of talk about the books with people from all over? Yeah, I've done it in a few different ways. And I think we'll continue to do it in a few different ways. I've hosted some myself that are just Zoom meetups that we, you know, have a book that we all read and talk about that. Sometimes I'll do it with a specific podcast that will read a specific book and talk about it on the podcast. Like if it's a Gilmore podcast, we'll choose a Gilmore book. Sometimes I'll do, you know, like an Instagram live or we talk about it on a specific post or something like that. I mean, I just started a YouTube channel as well, doing some more in-depth reviews and feedbacks on the books that I'm reading. So we talk about it there as well. And I've hosted some other book clubs as like a guest host, reading specific books from the Rory list. Like if they have a subscription service, we added a book club or something as a fun member event. So it's in a lot of different ways, which is kind of fun. I'm wondering how has your reading of the books affected your understanding of sort of the characters and storylines? Yeah. Rory, I think, and part of it's because of the Netflix sequel of A Year in the Life. I don't know that she was really internalizing everything that she read. I think her life would be a lot different if she really took the lessons in these books to heart and really thought about it. There's a pivotal scene, sorry if this is a spoiler alert, where she talks about Moby Dick and going to the sea. And there ends up being some uh, criminal charges coming out of that. And I'm like, that's not what Moby Dick is about. (laughs) And I'm sure that if she read it, like she probably wouldn't have got into all that trouble and had this huge fight with her mom and had all these school issues. So I think it's made me look at her journey differently. And because she's who I connected with when I was young, kind of step back and say, like, where would I be going? Where should I be going? And what does this really mean? Not what it means on the surface, what I'm reading, but what does this really mean to me? Well, aside from Gilmore Girl-inspired books, what else is in your reading wheelhouse? You said you sort of like happy Hallmark-type books. Are there other genres? Are there authors that you especially like? Yeah, I like reading pretty much everything besides horror thriller. (laughs) 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 Yeah, those would be the two genres that I avoid the most. I'm really into historical fiction right now. Which is really fun. I'm reading a book about one of the first ladies. And I do read a lot of nonfiction. I also host a book club for people with a chronic illness as a part of Chronicon. And so we read a lot of different things, but it's a lot of nonfiction for that. So I'm currently reading a book about how to be resilient. And that I think is really interesting. And it's coming at a really pivotal time in my life. And I think for a lot of other people too. So I read a lot of nonfiction as well. 
So is there a book from your childhood that really left a big impression on you? And when I say childhood, that could be anywhere from like the time you learned to read until you were 21. Two different ones come to mind. The first is uh, the Tortal Quartets and series by Tamora Pierce. That I re- I really love those, and my sister and some of my friends really love those as well. But I think it was something that you know I was a really different kid, and I was not into doing what everybody else was doing. And these were really about women in those, but just going after whatever you wanted to do, regardless of whether it was something that was only for boys or wasn't expected of you or, you know, proper people didn't do or whatever. They just went after it and were really themselves. And because I read so widely and these books in particular gave me that confidence of I can do whatever it is I set my mind to. I'm going to have to work really hard at it Mm -hmm. and maybe sacrifice some other things, but I can do it because I have the whatever special sauce to be able to say like, this is my dream and I'm going to go after it. And that's a hard thing to do. Those Tamora Pierce books are sort of fantasy, right? Yes. Those are fantasy Uh books. The first one's about a girl who wants to become a knight. The second quartet is about a girl who can talk to animals and eventually transform into animals and heal animals. And then the third one is about a girl who wants to become a knight, but she has the first one has magical powers and people said like she could do it because she's magic. And so the third one wants to become a knight with no magical powers and be like, we can do anything we want. And she has other books that are a part of different series. So it is a magical realm in all of her books, but it's something that just really drew me in. And I wanted to be able, you know, to do that for other people. Like that's a special gift to be able to connect with people, especially young people. So those were a big part of my life. And I still have the whole the series on my bookshelf and I won't let my parents get rid of them. <laughs> um, and I don't think my sister would either. Like those books are never leaving. <laughs> I would also say the Harry Potter series. It was really big when I was growing up. We started reading it as a family and it was the first time I was really looking at books of like the way they're connecting with people's lives, the way they're changing people's lives. Even people who don't even like to read are reading these books Mm -hmm. and what is going on there and the whole world building and like just creating something that nobody has ever done before really appealed to me. I think the first really defining set of books of this is what I'm committed to. I mentioned that we were reading them as a family, but I just had to know what was going to happen. And so I somehow got a different copy of the third book and would read it like with a flashlight underneath the sheets (laughs) past my bedtime to find out what happened, (laughs) which is like, I was not a rule-breaking kid, but I broke the rules when it came to books. Well, I mean, you know, I doubt that your parents I, were. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> like if that was the worst thing I did. As That's right. right. So I'm curious when you said you were reading it as a family, like you yep. were reading it out, out loud. Like, out loud? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Which I really loved um, until I, you know. You had to read ahead. Um, until I had to read ahead. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if I finished it at some later point, but it came out that I had actually finished it um, because we were just so behind <laughs> as a family. I couldn't wait because as much as I love the family reading together moment, I just couldn't, just couldn't handle it. I had to know what happened. <laughs> so we read independently after that. It was all my fault that I, I broke a bad tradition. <laughs> <laughs> so one final question. When you think about, all the Gilmore Girl books that you've put together on the reading list, uh-huh. if I say, what's your favorite? Like, is there one that just, you sort of automatically go, it's that? That's a really hard question. And I have to sort of qualify the answers. Harry Potter's on that list. And I just uh-huh. talked about, you know, how much a part of my childhood it was. So that is one of my favorites. And Lord of the Rings is similar to me in that respect. Like, I grew up loving these. We watched the movies every year. I probably 
re-listen to the audiobooks once a year as well. So those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. But I also knew them before doing the list. So I would say new books that I had not read before doing the list. I loved The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. Mm. Um, I think I had seen the movie, but the book and the essay that I later wrote about the book and the things that I internalized and really did the self-analyzation with that book, I did not expect. I did not expect for it to be that deep and to resonate with so much of what was going on and to discover some things about myself. So the book itself is beautiful and I really loved, but then what came after, you know, the transformational part really caught me off guard. So that's the one that I usually say since coming to the list, anything that I hadn't read prior would be the divine secrets. So yeah, Hmm. I know sisterhood. I remember reading that one way back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Way back in the day. It's a good one. Well, I have to admit, I read a lot, but just listening to you talk about all the reading that you're doing and the TV that you're watching and all the different lists that you're making are making me a little tired. (laughs) I'm like exhausted thinking about it. So I think we should take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we're currently reading. Awesome. We are back with Christine Eckert from the Gilmore Book Club and with Carrie. Carrie, what are you reading? So I'm going to pull an Amy this week because okay. you have a, you have a tendency to, if, if we're supposed to talk about five books, you talk about six books. Or if we're supposed <laughs> to talk about three books, you talk about four books. But usually we, I talk about one book. I'm going to talk about two books. This week because they relate to each other. Okay. Okay. So the first book I'm going to talk about is The Vampire by John Polidori. So John Polidori, we got to go back in history a little bit. He was Lord Byron's physician and he traveled with Lord Byron uh, during that fateful summer in 1816 when Lord Byron, Mary Shelley and Percy Bysshe Shelley were holed up telling scary stories one night. If you're a book person, you kind of know this story, right? So as the story goes, Lord Byron, he sort of began the snippet of this tale. And then John Polidori took it over and went the rest of the marathon, right? And he even used Lord Byron himself (laughs) as the inspiration for the vampire. So the individual who lacks morals and sucks the life out of people. So (laughs) when you think about a vampire, you have to imagine in your mind, Lord Byron. Okay. (laughs) Now this is the same trip that Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. So that trip spawned, Frankenstein and also the vampire tale as we came to know it, Dracula, right? Okay, so in Polidori's story, the vampire is actually named Lord Ruthven, and he meets and befriends a man named Aubrey. Aubrey begins a romance with a girl who sort of tells him about vampires, right? So there's all sorts of folklore about vampires. Shortly after Lord Ruthven comes to town, Aubrey's girl is killed, Coincidence? I think not. And (laughs) when Lord Ruthven is attacked by bandits, he makes Aubrey swear that he will not speak of Lord Ruthven or his death for 366 days. So a year and a day. And at that time, you know, like people, if they swore to something, they, you know, did what they said they were going to do. So imagine Aubrey's surprise when 367 days later, or thereabout, Lord Ruthven reappears, but he's got a different name and he's romancing Aubrey's sister. (laughs) Okay. So now this sounds very complicated, but it is a very short, I mean, it's, it's almost like a long short story or a short novella. So if you're interested in this book, you know, just do it because it's short. Okay. So then I decide I was like very much on a vampire kick. 
So then I picked up Strange Practice by Vivian Shaw, which is a book that continues that whole idea of, you know, the vampire legend, the Dracula legend, except in this book, there are much nicer vampires, one of whom is also named Ruthven. But Ruthven and his monster friends have a favorite doctor, Greta Helsing. And she has a specialized medical practice that puts her in contact with vampires, mummies, ghouls, and much more. Okay, so she treats them and and tries to give them high quality health care. So (laughs) (laughs) and so in this first book in the series, people are being attacked and then Greta is attacked and then monsters start being attacked. And so they all realize that there's this strange band of monks that are doing these murders. So they're killing humans and they're killing monsters. And so Greta and her monster friends begin a quest to discover where the monks are and why they are so evil and to stop them. And so you got to read the book to find out if they stop them. Oh my, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was quick. It was interesting, you know, so it gives you that if you, if you're interested in vampires. So I went old school vampires and I went like contemporary vampires. (laughs) I want to know what their health insurance coverage is like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, the book didn't talk about any HMO or PPO that's Greta Helsing accepts. And I'm sure dentistry is not included for vampires. Probably you know, not. No, Probably no not. dentist coverage. No. But, no. but in the book, she is talking about, you know, because mummies, after a while, they sort of start falling apart. Their bones start falling apart. Yeah, I was apart. wondering, like, do these people keep around retainer? Like, they have to keep coming back if they have, Well, like- yeah. So she was having to figure out this procedure to help this mummy basically not disintegrate. And so that was a, a small Ooh. snippet. That's just one of the many things that Greta Helsing is doing. But <laughs> there are two more books in this series. So um, at some point, I will probably pick those up the next time I need a vampire fix. Very good. Yeah. So Christine, what have you been up to? Yes. So uh, one of my current reads is called Resilient, How to Grow an Unshakable Core of Calm, Strength, and Happiness by Rick Hansen. So this is something I'm reading for one of my book clubs, for the Chronicon Book Club. And it's all about you know, how to bounce back from those things in life, whether you're sick or there's a tragedy or a trauma or something like that. What are all of the characteristics that get people through that, that help people heal from it? And what is holding you back from maybe moving on from something in your past? Hopefully there's not a new pandemic or something, but what is going to get us all through that? So there are a lot of different parts to attaining resiliency. So the first one talked about compassion, not just, you know, for others, but for yourself and going through mindfulness and gratitude and calm and courage, confidence and intimacy, and then ending with generosity. The theory being that once you learn all of this for yourself and you become resilient and retain all that, you then spread it around and help other people be resilient as well. So I've just started it. I'm liking it so far. There are some sort of like exercises as you go through it, some little meditations. So it's a really nice calming book to read. So I'm looking forward to going through that with the book club. And I think it's going to be really good. And I, I specifically picked it because it brings in a lot of neuroscience, which we've been talking about, that how does your brain really work and operate and what makes those pathways that end up being our behaviors and our thoughts and our feelings and how you can change all of that in your brain and all the things that your brain can do has been really incredible. So I'm really excited to be going through that one. Is this a local book club for you or is this something that's like a virtual, you know, anybody who has, you know, computer access can yeah, do it? Yeah, it's a virtual. So anybody with computer access, I can give you guys the sign up link if you want to link that in show notes. Okay. Um, and That'd it's be awesome. any chronic illness, you don't have to have like a particular thing. It's very open. It's very no pressure. If some people have shown up without even cracked the covers, they're like, I have it. It's on my nightstand. And that's fine. Um, this is a very no pressure book club. 
we meet like once a month, but there are different collectives of this as well. So we have like a career group that meets and we have a mindfulness group. So it's the book club is part of a whole, a bigger online community. And we did have an in-person event here in New York in May. And I know that we're having another one in 2024. So there are some in-person opportunities as well. Yeah. And then my Rory Reed recently was a movable feast by Ernest Mm -hmm. Hemingway. And I've not been a fan. I don't dislike them. I just don't like them. (laughs) I kind of feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Hemingway. I mean, it was fine. I read the sun also rises before I read this. But a movable feast is his recollections of living in Paris. And he lives in Paris at the time when Gertrude Stein is there and F. Scott Fitzgerald. And so all of those roaring 20s authors that are all expats living in Paris. And so it's really fascinating to see his life there and, you know, his writer strategy and his life with his wife at the time and their travels and even some places that I've been fortunate enough to visit in the Shakespeare Mm-mm. and company bookstore no. there is a really famous bookstore and it's really beautiful, but those are places that he went to and that the Fitzgeralds were going to. And it's a really cool bit of literary history that's still there in sort of a different capacity, but you can still go and visit. And so it's incredibly cool to read the places that these literary icons were and that these were a part of their daily lives and that, you know, these places are still around and you can go see them. So I really enjoyed reading about his life and his writing more than I actually enjoyed his writing. (laughs) Have you read The Paris Wife by Paula McLean? I haven't. You might want to try that, especially if you like historical fiction, but it is novel Mm. about his wife at the time, Hadley Richardson, when they go to Paris and sort of that whole lost generation. So it might be interesting to read that in relation to The Movable Feast. Yeah. Because he had he had kind of a complex uh, romantic situation going on. Quite complex. There were a lot of complex things. Yeah. Oh, yes. In general, he was In complex. <laughs> yeah. As many of these, you know, literary icons are, is that right. I think, you know, we, especially with our discussion about classics, like they're kind of up on this pedestal. But I'm like, he was a real person. He had problems. He was talking about money issues and issues with his wife and whatever. So like these were real people who did not have the success at the time that they were living for most of them. It's really great to see the sort of behind the curtain moments. And I'm definitely going to put the Paris wife. And then speaking of wives, the other one I'm reading at the moment is the president's wife. And this is about Edith Wilson. So the Mm. wife who Woodrow Mm -hmm. Wilson, he was married previously. And so they got married when he was in the white house, when he was president and married a little later in life for both of them. And then of course, you know, this is leading up to world war time for them. And I have to say, like, I don't know a lot about the Wilsons. I feel like, you know, you see a lot of books about the beginning ones and some of the really big ones. Um, But I, again, this is sort of like a behind the scenes look at you know, how she really helped him and sorted his documents. And she would sit there and she knew all the like decoding all of his messages from Europe and maybe about halfway through and his plans about the United States entering the war is they're talking of starting to talk about that now. So I'm interested to see, you know, the rest of their journey in the White House and then his upcoming reelection because that was a major moment in the United States history and to see how much she was a part of that. But it's not the part that we really see a lot. This is historical fiction. So grain of salt with everything I just said. I mean, I think sometimes the, the women behind the very powerful men uh, have very interesting stories. Yeah. It's great. And I think to see like things that we think of, even like the White House and talking about all the China, like she put all that in there that we mm. think of it as a thing now. There was a time when it was not a thing, when we didn't have the White House, which is way, way before, or the uh, the National Mall, which how could you think of Washington, D.C. without it now? But it didn't exist at their time. Like they had mm. to make all of those things then. So it's really fascinating to see those bits of history coming together. Mm. 
Very cool. All right. Well, Amy, are you going to, are you going to double up or triple up? No, I'm not. I'm going to follow the rules. Okay. So since we're talking about a bookish TV series today, I thought I would follow up with a bookish book. And the book I'm going to talk about is called The Banned Bookshop of Maggie Banks uh, by Shauna Robinson. And this really has a lot of has some of the Gilmore Girls vibes to it. It's about a woman named Maggie, and she agrees to run her best friend's bookstore in a small town in Maryland called Fall River. Her friend is on bed rest and is going to be going on maternity leave. Maggie is from like the West Coast, so she's traveling there. She's in her late She's either in her late 20s, early 30s, and she's a bit of a mess. She's aimless. She's currently unemployed after going through many jobs that just haven't worked out. So she still doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. And so she thinks that doing this favor for her friend seems like the perfect way to take a breather from her depressing life and do a reset. This gave me some Gilmore Girls vibes because it's in a small, quaint town. There's a coffee shop cafe right next door. There's a bookstore. There's this curmudgeonly older gentleman who lives above the bookstore who kind of hates everybody except for Maggie. And so the thing is that Maggie isn't really a book lover. She's kind of indifferent to books. Um, And this bookstore isn't like a regular bookstore. So this town... Uh, is the home to a famous author from like the mid 20th century who is now deceased. But the author's family has created this sort of literary society that has its hands in many of the local businesses to make this like a literary destination. So when her friend's bookstore was having trouble making it, this literary society came in and said that they would be part owner. But the stipulation was that the only books that can be sold in the bookstore have to be books that were published uh, before the author's death, which means there there's no contemporary books in there. They're all older books or classics. So as you can imagine, sales might be a little bit slow <laughs> and Maggie is a little bored out of her mind. So she has this idea to have secret book events. Such as there's a local romance author that stops in and Maggie becomes friends with her. So the very first event they do is to have this romance author come in and do a reading where she has reimagined Moby Dick, but in a romance style. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so she has a series of these and they're sort of like this underground success, right? And all of this would be totally against the literary society rules for this bookstore. But Maggie is such a success and she gets a lot of the town behind her. And so it all seems like it's going great until the literary society finds out and then things get kind of messy. So this was a delightful, fun read. There's definitely a romance in here, but I wouldn't say that's the whole theme of the book. It also addresses hot topics such as like, who is the gatekeeper for books? And if you love books about a bookstore or books themselves, you really need to check it out. I listened to this on audio and it was really great that it was narrated by Imani Jade Powers. And so I highly recommend this one if that sounds like the kind of thing you'd be interested in and a perfect book to go along with our Gilmore Girls discussion today. Yes. So again, the name of that one is The Band Bookshop of Maggie Banks by Shauna Robinson. Oh my gosh. We gave them what? Three, four, five, like five, six book suggestions. We did. We We, did. We did a good job today. We did. And we're going to take a break, but you get one more book suggestion because uh, before we come back, we're going to have a five-star read recommendation from a fellow book lover. My name is Kim Lehman, also known as The Read Rat on Instagram, and I'm from Indiana. My five-star recommendation is A Monster Calls by Patrick Neese, original idea concept by Siobhan Dowd. This story follows a boy named Connor as he wrestles with the knowledge that his mother is dying and is visited by a monster who wants his truth. This story is heartbreaking, beautiful, and will leave you emotionally raw. I cannot recommend this book highly enough and do suggest having tissues handy. You will probably cry by the time you are done. We're back with Christine Eckert from the Gilmore Girls Book Club extravaganza website and on Instagram. And we're going to 
hit her with the, well, we're not actually going to hit you, but <laughs> uh, figuratively hit you with our fast and furious questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Favorite chocolate covered dessert? <laughs> Anything with chocolate. Right now I'm really into hot chocolate. Oh. It's the, well, it's the dog days of summer, but yeah, still yeah. hot chocolate or the, chocolate. like the frozen hot chocolate? Still hot chocolate. Yeah. Okay. It was like Mrs. Claus on a past life or something. <laughs> so, I don't know. It makes me feel good. <laughs> My personality, I'm more of a fall winter person. Yeah. If I can trick myself into thinking it's fall and winter, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, I'm sort of like that too. Yeah. Fall's I'm ready favorite. for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you live in New York City, which was one of the, you know, best places for museums in the whole wide world. So do you have a best museum? As this is a bookish podcast, I would say the main branch of the New York Public Library, the one with the lions out front, Uh and the Morgan Library. Now, what is the Morgan Library? Morgan Library is what was once the personal library of J.P. Morgan, so a big Mm. banking titan in New York. But he attached his own little library to his house, as, you know, one would. And he's amassed some really rare books, had his own librarian. And it's just a beautiful, old-timey little library that was his personal one. And now it's a museum for, you know, people to see what he owned in life. Oh, that's so cool. I wish I'd known that last week when I was there. Yeah, it's one of my my favorite places. I've been there repeatedly. And they, they do have some different exhibitions come in so you can see different things in addition to his own personal library and workspace. There is a book that came out recently about his librarian who happened to be a black woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Adam. called The Personal Librarian Yes, that's by right. Marie Benedict. Yes, I think I read that one. It was really, really great. And I had been before, but I did not know about his library. And, and I hope that, you know, that becomes a movie one day because a great story. And she collected all of these rare works. He has, I think, one or two Gutenberg Bibles, which are really rare and costly. So yeah, she did it all for him. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at pictures of the library and it is stunning. stunning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. All right. We're heading back to fall. You talked about hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. Now I have to ask about another fall flavor, apple or pumpkin? Pumpkin. <laughs> I'd also throw maple in as a choice. Ah, okay. Pumpkin. okay. I can okay. them all in together, I would. Okay, who was your biggest celebrity crush when you were a kid? I have a thing about the word crush. It's hard for me to have a crush on somebody I don't actually know. Keep that in mind as I okay. say this. But I would probably say Vigo Mortensen, who is mm. airborne from Mortal Kombat. Yes. Life. Yes. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us had a little bit of a. Uh-huh. crush on him when the when the movies came out yeah still do yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know it's still great every time i watch it and okay hey, amy did you have a celebrity childhood crush well when i was like five and six it would have been john travolta because i was watching uh, greece a lot over and over again yeah. and, and in fact i wanted to change my name to sandy, sandy. Sandra, sandra d and my mother said no and i was very upset about it <laughs> Well, gosh, I had so many, but I would say early ones were Andy Gibb and Rick Springfield. Mm-hmm. And then every member of Duran Duran at okay. some point. Well, so. That's fair. You're that's like, fair. I don't want to choose. Just I don't want to choose. Just let me have them all. <laughs> okay. Last question. What is the weirdest thing you're afraid of? Okay. It's a two-parter. The Phantom of the Opera. And my miss. Okay. Really? We we gotta have an explanation. Yeah. Not in their book forms. I have read the books and they are good books. There's something about the musicals and the movies that just creep me out. I my mom would play them in the car when I was a kid, and my sister really liked them, but I just I had a very vivid imagination and it went, you know, very Stephen King very fast somewhere Mm. in my brain. And like to this day, I I watched, you know, the movie with like Anne Hathaway with my family. And I just sat there like so tensed the whole time after it was done. (laughs) Do you think it's the broody music? I think it's a a part of the music, but I think a part of it is also what I did in my brain. I recognize that these are 
you know, a little bit unfounded and a little bit out there. But I think a part of it is the out, like what I imagined these things to be. And I put Mm. horrors in there that weren't intrinsically in there. (laughs) (laughs) So just basically your vivid imagination. Yes. Yeah. I scared. I really scared myself with those. And that's why I read the books to really get a sense of it that way. Why don't you give our listeners your different handles or the name of your, you know, your website address and all that? Yes. Most everything is under Gilmore Book Club. So on Instagram, YouTube, it's Gilmore Book Club. And the website is gilmorebookclub.com. Okay. Well, this has been fun. Christine, thanks for joining us, spending part of your Wednesday morning with us. We really appreciate it. Of course. I had a blast talking to you two about a little bit of everything. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. We are also on Instagram at perksofbeingabookloverpod and on Facebook at perksofbeingabooklover. If you like what we're doing with the show, tell somebody. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to get in touch with us to tell us about uh, a book or feedback about the show, you can contact us through our website. And finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives at forwardradio.org.